Welcome to season three of the Jesus of Love podcast. I'm your host, Emily Mills. And I'm your other host, Brett Mills. We are founders, we're creatives, we're entrepreneurs, and we're activists. We're musicians, and we love Jesus. We've learned a lot serving the Jesus Said Love community, and this is the space we'll get to talk about. Ever learning, ever growing, ever loving. So come with us and explore how we can awaken hope and empower change together to create more space for love. Hello, Emily Mills. Mm. Hello, Brett Mills. <laughs> Thanks for calling like me that. by my last name. Well, I yeah. don't ever call you by your last name. I just thought that Correct. might be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny, too, that, that you know, you and I are married and people don't know that sometimes. And so they That's come true. on this podcast and they think. I forget about that. How are y'all together? Like, how are mm-hmm. you connected? And before we even say, I'll call you babe. And then people mm-hmm. look at the camera like, did you just call her babe? Is that mm-hmm. appropriate? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so it now, is. It's totally appropriate. Yes. Brett and I are indeed husband and wife and also co-leaders, which makes work and life really fun and full and interesting. And textured. And loud. Just, yeah, loud, chaotic sometimes, excitable, and uh, integrated. You know, integrated. That's That's a good word. Mm hmm. I prefer that. Well, let's, let's, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, let's integrate our guest into this. (laughs) I'm excited. Intro that is totally terrible today. It is terrible. (laughs) This is a terrible intro. You it's not it terrible. It's really no, sweet. no. We're gonna we're gonna keep rolling because yeah, this just it. is That's what how it we is. We always do. Um, I'm excited. So I met our guest, uh, Carrie Scott Garcia, on the interwebs. Uh, I met her through Instagram, which is the redeeming part about social media is that mm-hmm. we are getting connected and we are able to connect with a wide variety of people. And just immediately the way that I met Carrie is that she commented (laughs) and listen, I don't have the blue check mark by my name. I don't really don't have a lot of followers, but um, I posted about my story and it was a, it was a story um, just about my childhood and about Mm. um, you know, what I wish I could tell little Emily now mm-hmm. and Carrie commented and was like, wow, this is deep and powerful stuff. And most people are just like, Oh, that's so great. Oh my gosh. I love that little girl. You're so cute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that Carrie saw, so I hadn't seen her before on my following. I went and just began to ingest everything she was about. She mm. is a pastor, life coach. She is trauma-informed. She's getting certified, and you know I love the Allender Center mm-hmm. uh, certificate program. And uh, she's the CEO of the Freedom Movement, which is all mm. about unlocking freedom and potential for uh, people. So welcome to the show. Yes, I am mur- so mur- excited mur- to be mur- on here. And also <laughs> that it was... Uh, through the internet that we are able to meet. I always love that because the internet is such an interesting space for my heart. Mm -hmm. And so it's so nice when there's good that comes from Mm -hmm. a place where there's a lot of hardship, (laughs) a lot of evil and a lot of yuck. And then you meet these really dynamic gems and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, it has, you have redeemed yourself Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) It can be resurrected. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, okay. So tell our listeners um, who you are, how you show up in the world, and just what you're all about. We want to hear mm. everything. Mm. Uh, what a loaded question, right? Because <laughs> right. um, there's like, well, where do you where where do you want to go? Where do where do you? Uh, okay, give us the give us the bird, give us the big picture, mm-hmm. and then yes. we're gonna kind of whittle down. Okay, maybe how you got started. So give us the so, big picture. So here's the big picture. Pastor's kid grew up in a home where um, dad was on the stage preaching about Jesus. Mom was on the stage playing an egg shaker because we were radical Baptist at the time. Wow. Um, going home, realizing that our outward life did not match our inward life as my mom mm-hmm. was kind of trapped in her room in a cycle of binge purge eating mm-hmm. disorder that was severe mental illness that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. So that kind of created for me this like, uh, does God only love us when we perform? Mm-hmm. And I'm a really good performer, so I'll just keep performing. The problem is, is that in in the addition to being a performer, I'm also what you would kind of cloak as a prophet. So prophets are just truth tellers, right? Prophets mm-hmm. are the ones that are going around like, I see something broken and I need to name it. I need to say it. And as a kid, when you're in a home of secrecy, prophets are not really welcomed. In fact, we know even biblically that Prophets are normally killed so yeah. or, or put onto the outskirts. And yeah. so for me to be able to manage my, uh, the, my internal and external world that wasn't making sense, I had to escape it. And so for me, escaping it, many could do different things. They could do academics. They could do sex. They could do whatever. Um, for me, it was drugs. So I just, mm-hmm. I'm just numbed out on drugs mm-hmm. for almost 10 years of my life. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to die. When did start? When did 13. it start? 13, I started drinking, which was simultaneously the same year that I found out that my mom was bulimic. So Mm. things started to make sense, but there was no, it was like, I knew it was right. Like in my body, something was wrong, but we weren't going to do anything about it. And Mm -hmm. for my kind of temperament and personality, that's maddening making. I, I can't sit in a home where I'm seeing such brokenness and everyone's naming the brokenness, but no one wants to do anything about it. It's just like, we're just, we're just living in the secrecy. And so numbing was the option. Um, and, and that kind of ended around uh, 20 or so, or like mm-hmm. 19. And I just was like, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And then I just went into ministry and I was like, mm. man, healthy hey. people go into ministry <laughs> and I should just go. And what I knew was perform, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to go perform. I'm going to use my testimony mm-hmm. because I was a drug addict and now I'm not on drugs anymore. And I'm going to get married and really fast. the church fast. will use that, right? Oh, it, it was like welcomed. And I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years with my ex-husband and just was in a space of... Mm. Um, the lights were out and nobody was around. I mm. was miserable. I was mm. angry. It was volatile in my home. Mm. Um, I My parents ended up getting divorced. And when that happened, it, I, I say it like Camelot fell. Mm. And that's just because it was like everything I knew and these structures of like what that was holding me together mm-hmm. um, just kind of broke. And then I broke. I had mm-hmm. a relapse. I mm-hmm. had an affair. I mm-hmm. literally just went off the rails mm-hmm. and um, my marriage ended. Everything was kind of came to a head at 27 and almost took my life. And mm-hmm. that was a profound moment for me. Um, I don't, you know, who knows where people are on their faith journey and with God. But for me, that was a profound moment with God reaching mm-hmm. in and basically 
basically, I've seen everything you've done, Carrie. But if you turn this car around, it's going to be work. We're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're going to walk with me. And there is light on the other side. And I did not have a lot of faith. Like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, God's got me. I mean, it was like a half of a mustard seed of faith. (laughs) And I turned the car around and then was like, okay, I'm going to start getting help. And that... Mm. I'm 20 years sober today. So at 27 was my last relapse. I'm 47 this year. So 20 years sober. But the problem with everything that I say is that there was a lot of behavior modification being fed to me. Mm -hmm. Just change your behavior, change your life. Change your behavior, change your life. But the problem was I stopped doing drugs, but I never dealt with why I did drugs in the first place. I I stopped performing on a stage in ministry because really it was taken away from me, but I never dealt with the, 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 the thief of performance mm-hmm. behind all of that. And so what that journey has been these last 20 years, um, the first you know 27 was, was just trying to survive a, yeah. a really chaotic world and yeah. having no handles on how to do it because really I was just taught to, to behavior modify. And then mm-hmm. I stepped into this real layered work um, that I've been doing for now for 20 years and started to get two roots. Okay, mm. how do we actually get free? Mm-hmm. And is God actually true about an abundant life this side of heaven? Or am I just waiting with the golden ticket to get to heaven? And right. that's a lot of my mom's story too, because my mom ended up taking her life. And oh, wow. in in the process of that, she sat in the front row for 50 years. She was wow. in a church, she was a church path. Like, what are we doing, right? Like, what mm. is happening around yeah. us when people can sit in the church for 50 years and then take their life? We've missed something here as yeah. a people group, as a society, as God's followers. And really, we've missed something in relation to how we see God. And so, yeah. you know, she had the golden ticket. She just wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to end the pain of this earth. But yeah. I believe that the scripture talks to really an abundant life now, like Mm -hmm. as on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's just kind of been my mission. Mm. We're so on that page for Mm -hmm. sure. Yes. You know, it's like, I I have older friends who are like, don't you, can't you just wait? I mean, are you really ready to get to heaven? Mm -hmm. You know, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, maybe that's good for you, but I'm, I'm actually enjoying Jesus here. Like (laughs) we're having a blast like (laughs) Right. right here. Like, right. don't miss the opportunities that are right here in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I so get what you're saying. I was raised in a church where it's all about, you know, change your behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think we need to change our hearts. Yes. And yeah. then that changes our behavior. Right. But why are we even talking about behavior? So weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the research now does show that, um, and I, and this is not a secret, I'm in a 12-step program for, Al- Al- I'm in Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I work the same 12 steps in Al-Anon as the addicts in my life and, mm-hmm. you know, um, friends and family who um, I would want them to work too. So it is a very transformational program. But one of the things that I think for so long, what we thought about addiction is that Oh, if you take that one drink, you know, you've got the disease, like you might get the disease. Mm -hmm. And what my therapist and I have been talking about and what research and science is now showing is that trauma is kerosene on addiction. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the trauma. You, you heal the trauma Mm -hmm. and you heal the addiction. And so you're right right when you say that part in your story, I just see that. And, and in so many women that, that we work with and in my life too, that 
if there's not an entry point in that break that you're willing to deal with the story of what, then you can be a dry drunk. You can be the addict who never binges and purges again. You can be the addict who never takes another drink, um, but you are miserable. You're not free. You are, you're not free. Mm-mm. You're not free. And you Mm-mm. will transfer that addiction. I yes, mean, you will. You will do it. It's yep. just obvious. I did. So, Ministry became an addiction. 100%. Hello. So it was just like, well, if I'm not going to do drugs, then I'll do ministry. I won't do Jesus. I'll do ministry because mm-hmm. ministry is going to feed the brokenness. We're all, ad- let's be honest, we we're are. all addicted to something if yep. Jesus isn't at the center. And so mm-hmm. our life is a constant surrender of the addiction and the idol that's in front of us. Yeah. Are, we are wired to connect. So whatever right. we put in front of us, your your cell phone, pornography, alcohol, success, whatever it is that you put value worth in temporary soothing of the ache, will become the thing that you come to. And so I I think I want to be really clear about, you know, how we separate Celebrate Recovery and AA and all that Mm -hmm. into different rooms in the church. We're all celebrating recovery. There's no (laughs) one in that space that in church that is like, oh, I've got it figured out and I don't struggle with idol worship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everyone does. And so, yeah, mine might've been drugs, but it also was ministry. And then for a long time, it was my kids. My mm-hmm. kids became an idol in my life. And so I had to check that addiction at the door too. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think we need to even the playing field a little bit that yeah. yes, like, yes, I struggle. I, you know, I'm a child of God. I struggle with right. addiction, but that's not who I am. Who I am right. is a child of God. And, and we need to get to the roots of why. Mm-hmm. Why am I needing this to fulfill and to mm-hmm. help me survive? So let me ask you this question. As we've heard about your story, I know what you do now um, mm-hmm. from afar in terms mm-hmm. of the freedom movement. How do you maybe tell tell our listeners a little bit about what freedom movement is and kind of what what you do? But mm-hmm. but how do you not how do you not addiction transfer right into like the organizational the work the mm-hmm what you got to do the the speaking the content making the mm-hmm. coaching how how do you keep that ego mm-hmm. in check so that you don't repeat the pattern from your early ministry days mm-hmm. Well, I think the reality is is that we were wired relationally and whatever was broken in our family of origin has to be healed in our family of God. Mm-hmm. And so there are people in my life that I have to allow to speak in and, and to actually come in and say, hey, how you doing? What's mm-hmm. going on? And there's also just a sense of you know, I, I call it the rhythm of up, in, and out. Like, this is the rhythm of Jesus, up, in, and out, up, in, and out was the rhythm of Jesus. And up being like him and his father, checking in with his father, getting the will of his father. But he also had this in where he had these people that uh, offered care, offered mm. um, truth, offered support. Uh, he created that, you know, the Greek word of that is like koinonia, this like mm-hmm. involvement together where it's not just fellowship, but it's truly the integrating of people into your life. And then there's the outrhythm. The outrhythm is I'm going to go and I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to share good news. I'm going to share truth and I'm going to hold space for people. That's mm-hmm. the rhythm of Jesus. And when I get out of that rhythm and I get too focused on honestly one of those things over mm-hmm. the other, I become imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And so I have to really look at my life as an integrated to follow the path of Jesus up in and out. And where am I off in that? So it starts with honesty. 
It starts with honesty with God and honesty with myself. It's an invitation for others to join me in that honesty. And then it is also the sharing of. It's not all about me. It's not just for me to hold on to this truth and consume. Um, it's for me to actually go. And so I have to stay in that rhythm um, or I become addicted to one thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not so bad to be addicted to God, I would say. But the problem <laughs> is, is that if you are staying in isolation with you and God, it is mm-hmm. not good for man to be alone. So therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, hey, there's a check somewhere. If you're not inviting people into your story or your life, just one or two, it doesn't have to be 20, and right. you're not going out, your life is imbalanced. And I would venture to say that Jesus actually isn't the place isn't at the place that he should be because mm-hmm. he will never ever draw you in to keep you there just mm-hmm. you and him for the rest of your life he won't do that that's not yeah. the rhythm of jesus and so mm-hmm. i think it's those checkpoints to look at the, mm-hmm. how am i doing in my up my in and my out mm-hmm. how does that get um challenging for the work that you do like what what is the day-to-day life of of what you're doing um with freedom movement is it like seasonal is it like a big push and then you have these seasons of a more restful inward time mm-hmm. or is it kind of like you're always balance checking that balance every day i have to be really intentional about i spend a lot of time alone um which is really needed for me although mm-hmm. i guess i'm extroverted i really need a lot of time to recharge i I have to take certain like practical things. I have to be on medication every mm-hmm. day. I mm-hmm. cannot stop taking medication. My mm-hmm. sweet little brain just mm-hmm. loves depression. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've been prayed prayed for it to go away. It just doesn't. I've had it since I was little. I, there are certain things that I have to stay in rhythm mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But I would say overall, I um, this can end up being kind of a comparison thing. So I, I just want to set. I want just want to set this out there to say we all have different capacities. of what we can manage and what we can do. God has gifted me with the ability to manage a larger plate. And Mm -hmm. I actually thrive in that. Yeah. However, um, that can be a striving, not a thriving. So I have to really be balanced. So on my calendar, there are intentional times where I go away with my family. That happens three times a year. And some are one of them in the summers, two weeks, one is coming up for a week. We hit the road. We are together as a family. That happens no matter what. Um, even when we didn't have money, it was camping. Like we just, mm-hmm. we did what we could do to be together. Um, I, the probably the hardest one for me is the in mm. um, because people are risky to me in my for narrative sure. as a kid. So <laughs> I am learning how to let people in a little bit more outside of my marriage with my husband. Um, He's very in. So that's the one that I have to check and be more intentional about who am I letting in um, and and making sure that those are balanced. The out is no problem. The in with Jesus is no problem. Um, it's, it's It's truly the in part yes. the up I would say with Jesus. So so that's the one that I have to I have to constantly be like, hey, how you doing? When's the last time you reached out? What's your Enneagram number? What do you think it is? <laughs> well I mean she kind of titled herself. Well no yeah. she's an eight. No I'm not three. 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 Oh yeah. that was gonna be my second guess. Yeah she's a perf- People- she said she was a performer. But yeah, maybe she- yeah. Well I know, I know, but the way she- you were talking about the vulnerability piece of letting people in, it's very mm-hmm. Yiddish. 
Yes, eights and threes. Um, yeah, eights and threes have a, a definitely a hard time. More of it is for the for my temperament. I would say is to even not be so much aware that I even have a problem. Like I'm, like yeah. I will be going and going and going and be like, I'm fine, and I'm breaking down and not fine. But right. I'm so used to depravity. I'm so used to scarcity yeah. that um, I, I'm not used to fullness and attention and care and good care. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I I can function on very little mm-hmm. um, and then I drop and then I crash. Mm-hmm. I, that mm-hmm. I would say though in the probably the past, I don't know, I want to say like five years, um, I've gotten just so much better, just so mm-hmm. much better um, being mm-hmm. more aware of where the little one in me just needs care. Yeah. Um, the balance of um, just engaging with a friend, mm-hmm. um, that, that's so gotten a lot better. You said you're 47 mm-hmm. um, and there is something, I'm, I'm just interested, this isn't like, this wasn't like on my list to ask you or anything, yeah. but there is something about midlife mm-hmm. that is this... Um, it is a fork in the road. It is an, an, a great invitation mm-hmm. to do things a different way. Mm-hmm. Like to evaluate where have I been? What has worked? What hasn't worked? Did you, I mean, because you just said the last five years, you, maybe you're trying things differently. I'm just wondering, do you think it has something to do with just that that natural season or or invitation of like as you're looking at your life of where you've been and knowing like we are finite our time here on Mm -hmm. earth is so finite right and limited and i don't think as kids or 20 year olds i mean you just you just think you're invincible you're like Mm -hmm. i mean we got this you know 40s a long way away but there is something i mean for me there was something that just that felt like first of all everything was crashing down and to me and my family of origin and the way I related to them around that time. But then secondly, it was a real time for us to look at our marriage, for us to look at our ministry, for us to look at the ways that we were handling things and, um, and to see more clearly, it Mm -hmm. seemed like our vision got more clear. Yeah. 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 I would say it's honed in for sure. Um, I, I would say it's, it's been 20 years of that process, but yeah, there is something happens when you're in your 40s that you kind of are, I, I think you come to the place where, and I don't know what age you do this, it, it could be for whatever yeah. age, but you come to a point where you go, you know what, I'm actually in pain and, I, mm-hmm. and I'm just not okay. Mm-hmm. And I might be not okay on a really big level or I might be not okay on what feels like a smaller level, but without comparison, I'm not okay. And you get to the point, well... some get to the point where you go, I don't, there's got to be more. There's got to be something else. There's got to be more to this Jesus thing. There's got to be more Mm -hmm. to this healing thing. There's got to be more to life. And that's whether you know Jesus or not, there's something in you that's like, there's Mm got to be more. And I think if you have 20 seconds of courage to start answering the question, well, what would it look like to step into something more? I think that just takes you on a journey that God is all too happy to walk with you. Mm. And and that that really started in my early 30s. Mm. Um, And that really started... Especially my late thirties, after I stopped having babies and stuff, it there there was this ache in me. Um, I wouldn't say it was an awakening. I would say it was a very clear ache that I'm not okay, mm-hmm. and um, 
um, and things are not okay. Even though I have everything that I need, I've got my husband has a good job. I have three kids. Like I'm off drugs now. I'm not even doing ministry. I'm just going to a church. I'm giving to the benevolent fund. I'm like doing beyond, you know, everything that I need to do. Something's I'm missing something, mm-hmm. and there's more for me. And I don't think I was created to live with this ache. Mm, um, okay. And so that just began the curiosity of going, well, what, what does it, where, where do I go? What does that mm. look like to get better? What does mm. that look like to get whole? Mm. Um, and, and that began probably 10 years ago, really, yeah. even though I'd done a lot of ther- therapy that began kind of, so yeah, I think in my forties, I'm settled in the fact that like, I, I'm hell bent on saying like, you will not know the fullness of your calling and the fullness of Jesus unless you name the particularities of your story. Like yeah. you can agree with me or not, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm right and I know it because it's modeled in scripture and I've experienced it and now I've seen countless men and women experience it. So I'm just kind of like whenever you choose to get courageous enough to love who God has created you to be one step at a time to get curious about that. Um, I believe that there's answers and there's more for you. Just yeah. truly. How do you, you, you said something. I don't, I don't think I was made to live with this ache. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you differentiate between the fact that there are certain parts of suffering that God asked us to bear and mm-hmm. then, but this ache that you were living with maybe mm-hmm. was not yours. Mm-hmm. So I think part of story work reveals pain that we've absorbed generationally. Mm-hmm or from our family, or from other people in our lives, or culture, mm-hmm. an ache that is not our own. Right. Like, this ache is not yours. How right. do you, how do you, how did you differentiate between like, I mean, we're, God does use suffering in this world to reveal himself, to walk through us, Emmanuel, God with us, valley mm-hmm. of shadow of death, like, we know we will walk through the valleys, we, mm-hmm. we understand that. How do you know when it's an ache that's not yours? I, well, I, I think there's a divine invitation. Those moments of going, something is more, was not my brain coming up with there's something is more. I think it's a divine invitation, and mm-hmm. it's God saying there is something more. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that there's a difference between an ache of grief and sorrow and a position of despair. Mm-hmm. And despair doesn't necessarily look like I'm in the pit of despair, and you know, my I'm on the ground sobbing my eyes out. Despair is that ache that feels like it's just feels the tinge of hopelessness mm-hmm. and follow that, follow mm-hmm. that into going, wait a minute, that's, that actually counter scripture. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was, it started as an ache, moved into actually deep sorrow mm-hmm. of being able to name what was behind that ache and then moving into actually places of repentance of, I actually mm-hmm. don't have to be bound to this anymore mm-hmm. and I can, I can live free. And so I, I think it starts with where am I, wh- where is the ache? It's like, that's kind of the tip of the, the iceberg is, is this ache, this unsettling, this kind of weight to it that something's off, something's mm-hmm. not right, something's, mm-hmm. something's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I speak to more people that it's not obvious for those that are struggling with alcoholism, you know, addiction, those kind of things. Yeah, that can be right in front of our face. But mm-hmm. for most of us, it, it's subtle, right? It's yeah. subtle. It's subtle addictions. It's subtle. It's not subtle in our life, but it's subtle in, in the world's view. And, and yet it's produced this ache. 
And I would say follow the strain of that ache as an Mm -hmm. invitation to God wanting to reveal what's behind the curtain, which Mm -hmm. is much more, I mean, to be honest with you, much more insidious and dark so that you can expose it with light. Like you can be like, hey, you've had your way with me for way too long. This ache has revealed where I'm bound where yes. I'm bound to harm, where I am bound to darkness, where I'm bound to places of lies. Yeah. And so the ache is the invitation to reveal the kingdom of darkness with the yeah. power and light of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So that, and this is really clearly so that, we operate in our present a certain way. We, just, mm. we all operate in our present in a certain way. When we go to the past, when we go to these places where the ache leads us, it actually invites us into the future um, of, a, of a new way to play in the present. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to show up in the present playing differently now, different Change than I did the before. Game. Yes. Turn the game. It, it, and so this is the invitation. So people ask all the time, why do I got to do that work? Why do I got to follow the ache? It's fine. I've managed. But the reality is, is that you are... Until you name the particularities of the pain, you actually cannot know the particularities of your calling in its fullness, and you don't get a play in the present with freedom. You are in the present bound, period. And so I think it's the journey of going like, God is faithful to complete what he starts, and are you going to take one courageous step to, to, follow, to follow the string of the ache that will lead you to the truth that sets you free? Oh, this is so good, Carrie. That's so good, yeah. I also wonder how frustrating, do you get frustrated with maybe individuals who come, who say, yes, I'm ready to go, um, but then they're not ready to go and they don't want to go where you're maybe inviting them or where Mm -hmm. God's inviting them. How do you handle, like, what do you do? I know for me, and I'm, I'm asking this question as the fix, as a fixer helper. That's one of my insidious, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. strongholds that we'll get you freedom Academy. We'll help you out. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, what do you, what do you say and how do you deal as a helper, as a healer in the world? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you let go? Mm-hmm. Um, I of, have of, of that. I have to let go. If I don't let go, I am bound to their trauma. I'm mm-hmm. bound to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a healthy place for me. I am a chronic fixer. I love being the rescuer. And if I'm being honest in my flesh, I want to be the savior. Mm-hmm. And that's, not going to serve anyone because I can't actually save anyone. In our program, in the in the initial program, we have a thing called Freedom Academy, and it's three days. And everybody comes at like different places in their life. We it's kind of fifty percent personal development where we're learning about our story, um, but we're not bringing in a story or anything like that. We're mm-hmm. really just inviting you into curiosity. Mm-hmm. And the other portion of that is how do I sit with people and ask good questions? How do mm-hmm. I take the pressure off of fixing people? And really, when people are fighting against this, 
my heart for them just goes out because what has it been like for you to have to survive to the point where someone is offering you a drink of water, but it feels like it's poison? Yeah. Um, because the last time you were offered water, you were betrayed and it was poison. Mm. The last time you were needing care, it was rejected and abandoned. And so I think there's a tenderness for me, I think because of my mom's story and because of mine, that it's okay. If you're not ready, mm-hmm. it's okay. And when you are, um, I'm here. And and I'm not looking for someone when they come to Academy or they do my exchange, or I'm not looking for them to have to find the deep treasures of their story. I'm just there. Like, let's connect one dot. Yeah. Let's just connect one dot and let's take the pressure off of having to arrive because it's not going to happen. And let's just know that God's inviting us on a journey. And that journey is about our sanctification. And in our sanctification, it is beautiful to know Mm -hmm. that He knows exactly what you're capable of and able to deal with in this moment. Mm -hmm. So when people come and there's like a rejection of it, I mean, I've had people, you know, be like, this work is too hard. By the end of the three days, and I have been doing this a long time now, um, I've not had one person come up to me and say, I didn't learn anything here. Mm -hmm. Like they're all deeply moved to the extent of where God wants to move them. Mm -hmm. And some get profound, like deep, whoa, I need to start putting up some boundaries here. And some just go, I think I need to go see a counselor. Yeah, And both of those are stunningly beautiful Mm -hmm. engagements of their sweet little heart that says, there is more for me. Yeah. And and I want to step into that courageously Mm. by picking up the phone. And so to me, I just go, man, I can see with such tenderness that you're not ready for that and that's okay. But yeah. but can I just offer care in saying it's okay that you're not ready because that actually does something to your brain. It actually uh-huh. says you love me when I'm not striving. You 100%. love me when I can't show up well. Yeah. Um, and I can say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You being here is just the best. You engaging me on social media with a question is such a, is such a beautiful offering because mm. it's really that question is saying, what about me? Mm-hmm. Would, what do you think about me? Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh my gosh, if you knew the glory in which you behold, yeah, I- and you see what I see. And so I just, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like you are after a, a much um, bigger idea than um, a small personal need. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think for so many of us who've um, maybe been engaged with ministry, especially in evangelical Baptist circles, maybe, I don't sure. know, maybe it's other places too. That's just my context, but it does feel like everything's personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to be the prophet or to be the truth teller that's going, hello, mm-hmm. there's a bigger idea up here. And this isn't about your personal character. I'm just telling the truth mm-hmm. of, of of who's after you, of, of mm-hmm. how you're made, of how... And it it does feel like it does interrupt our personal lives, right? Like healing yeah. is an interruption. It's to, disruptive. It's so disruptive. It cha- <laughs> it, 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 yes, it's and it's wrecking. Like when you choose healing, the dysfunction only 
rises in, mm-hmm. in areas around you where you've coped and dealt in relationships that have been dysfunctional. I think, mm-hmm. I think the invitation that maybe um, I hear you offering too in relationships. So I'm always passionate about, you know, the caretakers, the ones who are healers on the earth who are drawn to that out of their own damn brokenness. I yes. mean, <laughs> that's For what real. it is. And the reason I just feel like there's so much freedom for those of us who would say, I just want to help. I just want to help. I just want to heal. I just want to heal. Go after the bigger idea, right? Mm -hmm. Like go after the big divine idea and offering that to people so that your own story doesn't get trauma bonded with the person in the pit and in the pain. And it's Mm -hmm. just a beautiful offering of freedom. What you Mm -hmm. just said, I hope that, I hope that those out there who are holding hands with someone in the midst of addiction right now who are walking their mom through appointments when you know the real story, right. nobody can figure out what's going on and you're mm-hmm. like, well, she drinks and takes mm-hmm. pills every night and has been for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is that you are walking through with someone, I, I just I feel like the invitation you've just given for freedom is to be curious to hold up the big idea mm-hmm. and to draw good boundaries. Right. And do the work. Do the you, work. Do your you work. You can't take anyone farther than you're willing to go yourself. So, yeah. it, you know, it. You, you can't offer trust if trust has been severed in your heart and not mm-hmm. healed. You can't offer grace. You want to restore your marriage. You can't look, you can't look to your husband to do that. It, it begins in you. Like, so there, you are a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And if you are unwilling to do the work and you want to help the land, that is coming from brokenness. It's not actually coming from your healing. What do you say though to the person? What do you say to the person like me Mm -hmm. who believe the lie that I don't have trauma? Mm -hmm. I I have a great life. Right. What work do I, I mean, we're doing okay here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because you have to be curious in order to start the work. But if you believe the lie that there's nothing to be curious about, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Start. What do we, you'll never mm-hmm. start. Right. Well, here's a couple of things. One, to say that you have not had any trauma is to say that you do not behold the image of God because the image of God on earth is always assaulted. Um, and therefore it's to actually say that, that, you aren't created in God's image. Um, the enemy is always coming after the image of God and trying to dispel it and break it down and assault it and kill it. Um, so it's impossible. I would actually have to take away your your glory and your image bearing self. That being said, because that's a little theologically heavy, mm-hmm. um, oh, I, sure. I would say at the end of the day, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to minimize. Um, that you don't have a story. Um, of course you have a story. Of course you have heartache. Um, y- y- of course, because look at where you are today. You've not lived your whole life without going, oh, that hurt, or I felt powerless. I think you have to identify trauma because we look at trauma as like these big T things. Like I was an addict. My mom committed suicide. You know, those are big things. I'm like, I don't have that story. What if we looked in terms of layman's terms of trauma saying, anytime I've experienced powerlessness, I am actually engaging trauma, fragmentation or powerlessness. So when you were on the playground and you got made fun of and 
and you didn't really know where to go with that, but you decided to go to your teacher and she ignored you Mm -hmm. and you felt small. You actually embedded that trauma. Those small traumas over time, the brain actually doesn't know the difference between big T trauma and little T trauma when they're built over time. Sexual trauma is a little bit different, but beyond that, uh, it doesn't know the difference. It makes part of your brain called the hippocampus get smaller. And in that, it just... There's no time in your life that you can look back and go, well, I've never experienced powerlessness. Let's take COVID. So forget that you even had childhood trauma. We're in global (laughs) trauma because we're powerless to this situation. And then I would press further, Brett, to say to your story, as your wife has shared about her addiction, that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. And you guys didn't get here all of a sudden wake up one day and your wife was an alcoholic. That's, that, that doesn't happen without you bearing a avoidant mentality of going. Mm-hmm. And, and that avoidance has been like, I'm going to avoid because if I engage this, whatever your story is, I'm going to get eaten alive. I'm going to be shamed, whatever the, the story is. But that come, that avoidance comes from places in trauma in your life that just said, I'm going to put my head in the sand. I'm going to pretend things aren't happening. Mm -hmm. And whether that went on, you know, I'm not judging your story, but whether that went on for a little bit or for a long, a long time, like attracts like. So her addiction is part of the direct reflection of your addiction. We have to, we're integrated. Mm -hmm. And so that begets trauma. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just think there's a lot of people that tell me all the time. I well, one, I don't have a story, and two, I um, I had a I had a decent life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I got kind of picked on on the playground. We minimize. We think our story is a blip, and the reality is that would mean that you do not bear the image of God, mm-hmm. because and and that the enemy is not after you. Well, you are not a robot. Mm-hmm. You are alive, breathing, and made in the image of God, and therefore there is an assault against your glory. Because mm-hmm. your glory will rattle hell mm-hmm. if it's in mm-hmm. its fullness, and that's mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that's so. That is so good. And I, I, you know, I think when you walk through that that doorway of curiosity, it, there's so much goodness on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You just Absolutely. have to be willing to go there and know that you need to go through that. Mm-hmm. It just it took me too, it took me too long, or maybe it took mm-hmm. me the right amount to find the doorway. Right. Well, I, I wish I definitely would have known this when I was younger, a hundred percent. Well, sure, right? Um, how do you how do you stay engaged with the work, Carrie? And how do you encourage people to stay engaged in the work? Because I think it's super easy when you're operating, like, yeah, okay, I went to therapy. Yeah, okay, I did a story workshop. Mm-hmm. Cool. I know what my trauma is, and yet here mm-hmm. we still are. Mm-hmm. You know how do you how do you stay engaged, and how do you encourage people? of why it's important, because here's the deal. There is an entry point to your story that you think is the entry point. Right. And it's like, all of a sudden, you are Alice in Wonderland, and you are down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I call it the door to Narnia. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Totally. And so you have to stay engaged, because it's easy then to walk through and to see Narnia and be like, ooh. Yeah. You know, and run back through the other mm-hmm. doorway. Right. But then that's never the same again. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a lie because once you've seen, there's the no truth. going back. Now it the becomes self sabotage. Now you're held accountable mm-hmm. because you do know what you're doing mm-hmm. and why you're doing it. But mm-hmm. how do you stay engaged with the work? Mm-hmm. You know? 
Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't done story work for, I mean, I've been at Allender for a long time, but I haven't done story work in probably eight months. I haven't gone to counseling in a while. I just kind of was like, okay, it's time. It, this is the season where I'm taking a break. But in the most recent days, a uh, couple months, I'm like, oh, my body is sensing. Mm. Like, oh, okay, it's time to step back in. And so I start next Wednesday. And yeah. so there, I, I just think we need to be more, honestly, more integrated into our body and let our body yeah. begin to say like, hey, it's time to take. I just had a pastor who went to my academy. I have a lot of leader, ministry leaders that come and he's he asked kind of the same question like i've been doing this work for a year like when do i get a break and i said do you need a break and he said yeah and i said so what's making you feel like you can't so see that's storied for him like yeah. he he's got a he, there's a finish line and he's got to yeah. get to it mm-hmm. and there's just not there's just not a finish line but um we're going to take water breaks and they're going to be really long water breaks along yeah. the way um until we are in the presence of god where 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 our story will be fully fully redeemed um we we are kind of on the it's the long haul it's the slow burn and so what what's right for you I would also ask, yes, you're doing this work, but when was the last time you played? Make sure you're playing. And what does play look like for you? And that's probably part of your story if you don't know what play looks like. So when (laughs) when did you play? And what does play look like? And uh, when did you share a good meal uh, with a friend? When did you have time where you sat in nature and breathed Mm -hmm. in the presence of God on your own? Is there the balance of the up, in, and out? And so Mm -hmm. in all of that, the work is really important. Yes, the work, unfortunately or fortunately, never ends. But what we do as we heal, we actually metabolize this work mm-hmm. a lot. I wouldn't. I don't want to say easier, but a lot better than we did before. That's so good. it really speaks to like this window of tolerance. We can tolerate more. We can go into these deeper places, and yes. it doesn't. It doesn't feel like you said Alice in Wonderland going through the pit of despair. You know, it's like ah, I don't feel like that anymore. I just go oh, and I can come to kindness with with my own heart and then rest when I need to, you know, it's so good. My therapist was like, um, and I think their, you know, their terminology in terms of like when you're becoming dysregulated and, Mm -hmm. and when you notice, and, and she said to me, she was like, do you notice how regulated you are when we're, do you remember when you first came in here? Mm -hmm. Do you remember how disassociated you were? Yes. Look at you now. Look what we're talking about. And, and look at how, and you're not freaking out. You're not freaking (laughs) out. Your body's not freaking out that you're right. Right. Paying attention to your body. Cause I didn't even cognizantly, of course I didn't because trauma isn't stored there. So I didn't consciously and cognitively dissociate. Right. My body went some, literally went somewhere else. And, and my brain was trying to, figure out where it was. <laughs> yes. So I justify just, it. I just think you're right. This capacity and the resiliency that we create those little baby steps, the deeper work, the deeper work that we do, mm-hmm. it's like we're able to hold our breath a little longer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And in the process, the beautiful word of sanctification mm-hmm. is happening. We're becoming more like Jesus, mm-hmm. which isn't, which feels like so much pressure when you're, when it's said in a way that's not how God intended, Whole, that it's actually right. an invitation to become who God created you to be and to be more like Christ. So every time we're doing this work, there's such a sweet mm-hmm. invitation of healing and goodness that He's offering to you. And and we are dispelling darkness in that's the process. Good. And and that's what goes back to what Brett said is that why do this work? 
because truth sets you free. Mm. It, it, you, you can't wear that on a t-shirt and put it on a plaque <laughs> and not actually name the truth of your experience. Like truth sets us free. We have to pull back the veil. And when we pull back the veil, expose the lies of the darkness that actually doesn't have any kind of power when the light comes on it, mm. we are becoming integrated, whole, sanctified beings mm. to become like Christ. And it's stunning and mm. so good. And ta- like the Bible says, taste and see that I'm good. Like we're tasting what it means to be like Jesus, smelling what it means. Mm-hmm. The world is now technicolor rather than black and white or just gray. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just have, my brain's just like... You're just sopping that up like a biscuit and gravy. I am. <laughs> Ooh, that I, sounds so good with right sausage now. gravy. <laughs> See, I gotta have sausage. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, um, so tell our listeners just about, you mentioned um, the Academy, mm-hmm. and then your program is called The Exchange, which you've mm-hmm. authored. Is that mm-hmm. something that people can use or just... Tell mm-hmm. us, do we do we have to come to? You're in Atlanta, right? No, I'm actually in Minnesota? Chicago. Chicago. Yep. Sorry, I'm in Illinois. That's okay. Do you know Laurie Proctor? No, oh my I don't know goodness. people's names. I know people's. You names. need to know her. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she's with the Allender Center too. Oh, um, okay. But yeah, she has a story organization called So That, and so it's oh, really cool. that's awesome. I thought when you said So That, I was like, oh, does she know Lori? Anyway, uh-uh. so do people have to come to Chicago in order to go through the academy, or can they mm-hmm. utilize the exchange in your? curriculum where they're so at. they're two they're kind of two different things the exchange is a course it's eight weeks of my teaching and it's really much more individual just kind of we go through what it means to journey from hurting to hope so topics like confession and surrender what does it mean to grieve how do I grieve the church does not teach grieving well um, what does it mean to forgive and what does victory actually look like does it mean that I'm all the way better or and it really doesn't victory is just the presence of God in your story mm. um, and so that's a core it comes with a book and it's that's you can do on your own you can do that in small groups you can do that whatever you don't have to come to me to do that the academy though is in person and mm-hmm. that is there's a bunch of academies some people host them at their churches and they're open and anyone can come i host mine twice a year um in one in chicago and one in orange county i have offices here and offices there um and so we do um the academy there and the academy is like i said it's a little bit more of the curiosity around why stories like this would answer a lot of brett's questions too mm-hmm. like why a story is important do i have a story what does it look like to engage a story? How has the enemy assaulted my story? You know, kind of mm-hmm. some of the, how does my brain operate? So it's mm. very informative, um, but the story work is personal. You're just kind of sitting there taking it in. But then we move you into more of how do you sit with people in their story? And so we actually do practicums where you sit and you engage one-on-one coaching sessions. And I teach you because I'm a licensed life coach mm-hmm. through the ICF. I'm also um, certified, three years certified through Allender. And so- mm-hmm. Um, I, we help you actually with a real scenario 
ask mm-hmm. open questions that allow to illumination, move people into action steps. So we would take you through a full coach model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that way, when you go home, you've done some of your own work that's made you more curious. And now you are actually able to sit with people that you love and be mm-hmm. able to engage their story without trying to fix them and mm-hmm. out try- without trying to take on their stuff. We go through mm-hmm. boundaries and all of that. And here in the fall, I'll be coming up. Um, we're starting a certification program to be actually certified through me. So awesome. we're starting a 2.0 where we will go a little more into story. But for now, Academy is definitely the place to kind of jump in first and to learn a little bit without having to like bring your story and like, you know, expose right. like all your stuff, but to come to start the journey of curiosity around, okay, what does it mean to engage my story? And what does it mean to sit with people that I love without yeah. pushing them away or becoming codependent? Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, and it's well, for men I, and women. That's for men and women. Okay. So. And then did I see, because you're married, you guys mm-hmm. have three kids. Is mm-hmm. your husband involved with the Academy as well? Yeah. So I run an organization called Freedom Movement. That's the mothership. The mothership mm-hmm. does Freedom Academy. It does my resources. And it also puts on, we do nationwide tours, evangelistic nationwide tours. And okay. that we are currently on tour right now. And he produces those tours, okay. all of the graphics and everything. And then he actually produces the whole event. And that's a nine-month nationwide tour called Own the Light. Every year, every two years, we have a new tour and it has a new name. Okay. Um, and so this tour is called Own the Light. And we we're halfway through, sort of. Um, we started. We pick up again in January, and we're all over the nation. And that's kind of a touch point. If you mm-hmm. are like, I don't even know if I like Jesus. Like, I don't even know, <laughs> or I just feel like the church. I don't even know about this whole story thing. I'm just a mess myself. Own the light tour. It's just getting up and being really honest with my story, mm-hmm. Tony Collier's story, and mm-hmm. Tanya Godsey's story. We get up, the three of us. We share. There's music. It's just. It, it's not your normal women's event though. So I just don't mm-hmm. want you to think Christian women event. Like mm. it's not that. It's really getting up. We make you laugh till you almost pee. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we just, we tell real stories and um, and then really about a real Jesus that actually loves you mm. and created you for goodness. So mm. um, that's all over. You can go to ownalighttour.com to get tickets for that. And you can go to wearefreedommovement.org to check out all the things I have and then, of course, Carrie Garcia, Carrie Scott Garcia on Instagram and all that. I love it. And if you haven't checked out Carrie on Instagram, uh, you do have some pretty funny reels. <laughs> I will have to say, you're you're owning the real game. They're um, they're like they're honoring your algorithms. Can we talk about reels I for think. a minute? I'm really getting bugged with the damn reel thing and why everything is. It takes so much time to make a freaking reel. It does. It does. It is part of my job. But yeah. here's what I have, like, I I only like making reels because we need to know, like, I'm funny. I love being funny. I love laughing. <laughs> I am I'm also, I am. I'm funny. And, and I just think this work can get really serious. I think people think God is really serious and that yeah. he's just really mean and really hard. Jesus is funny. Think about the sounds our right. body makes. Jesus right. is funny. And so there's just like the what I love about the reels is some of my reels are serious, but a lot of my reels are just goofy and silly because mm-hmm. I want people to know that story work and doing this work, there is delight in it. There right. is joy in this. There is play in this. I am not just sitting crying all the time right. about my story. <laughs> there is sorrow in it. But what 
I get to do an academy. We laugh. We enjoy who we were created to be, which means right. that we need to be in pleasure about that. And so yeah. the reels is just a, a silly way of me being able to invite people into story work, having fun around it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I love it. And it's so true. And it's also, it's also true that some of the funniest people pull from a place of, of deep darkness and depression. Yes. I mean, you yeah. look at the mm-hmm. world's best comedians and mm-hmm. it is no wonder that they chose to lean in to laughter right because of, of that's how they survived yeah it's what they endured that's so. me yeah hi that's my story <laughs> raising my hand in the front uh, row and you're sticking to it <laughs> oh my gosh i love it well i'm excited just to get your um i really didn't know all about the incredible work that you were doing on such a big scale and um, and yet, while it's big work, it feels very individualized. Yes. And I think that's really beautiful because I think sometimes that we can do these big things or these big events or these, you know, and the evangelical church is really great at that, mm-hmm. uh, honestly. Yep. But but not seeing individual story. And and so I right. just, I, I honor and I appreciate and bless um, that connection mm-hmm. of um, walking the tightrope from the high all the way down tethering to the individual lows is, is quite the expanse and mm. you are holding that. Um, so yeah, bless Thanks, friend. blessings and honor to you as you go out on your own, the light tour starting in January. Yeah. Well, we've been on it already. It's halfway done. We've okay. Yeah. You're like, halfway yeah, through. like September, September or something. So yeah. And we might be, we have one spot open. We might, we're trying to get a spot in Texas. Oh, I was just about to ask, are you in Texas? Where do you want to go? Well, hey, I mean, we know people. Church. Hey, you just if you guys, church. if we need, we have one spot that just opened up, a church had to back out. So we were like, oh, let's open up February 4th. And if you know a church, we don't even okay. charge the church to come. We wow. come, we just come for free and we buy the tickets. It's buy one ticket for 40 bucks. You get one free to bring a friend. So it's we're just, deal. we're just here. Come on, yeah. Jesus, open up the spot. Yeah. And I have had Texas on my heart. I know this thing. This thing's going on so long. We're talking forever. But I <laughs> I have had Texas on my heart literally for like four years. And I know that that's from God because I never even been to Texas. I don't even know why I care about it so much. But it keeps coming up. And so anytime someone pings me about Texas, I'm like, God, is this the one? Is this the time you're going to open it up? So I don't well, know. Be- I'm just saying. Well, you, you haven't lived yet. You have heart. not lived yet until you've come to Texas. Well, I feel, and here's the crazy part. Tanya and Tony both are from Texas. Yeah. And we don't have a stop in Texas. That's That just feels wrong on so many levels. Y'all, y'all get your butts down here to Waco. All it's right, I'll come wherever. The heart of Texas. I feel like there's going to be people that disagree with you on that because people it is are called, very tied it's literally to their called space the heart in of Texas. Texas. Well, we're center. That's what I mean. Uh, we're literally okay. central we're Texas. Middle. So we're called right. the heart heart of Texas. Okay, so you're actually taking the name because people in Austin really care about their Austinness. But we're an hour from Austin. Really care about the We're a couple hours from Austin, a couple hours from Dallas. We're literally literally in the middle of middle right. of the well, Texas state. Make so, it happen. Waco's cool now. So whatever that means. Um, we'll figure out. Do you think anybody's listening at this point? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hey, everyone's like, all right. We have gone off the rails. (laughs) That's right. Thanks for joining us. We hope this episode brought some light to your own story and hope for your journey. Make sure to subscribe and leave a comment. 
For more info on our work, visit JesusSaidLove.com. Until next time. Share the love.